One excruciating thing about losing someone you love that isn't often talked about is that you have to watch others you love go through the loss as well. What happens when you are rebuilding your life and getting help while another loved one is struggling? Today, we are answering a question from a listener who is concerned about his widowed father. After the loss of the listener's mother, the father just doesn't seem to be taking care of himself in the day-to-day, even though he doesn't seem overtly depressed. Most concerning, he's extremely isolated socially. But our listener is an only child who lives 400 miles away. If you've ever wondered how to help a loved one from afar, or when you're going through your own pain, or if you've ever been worried about the isolation of an older parent, you want to listen to today's Baggage Check. Welcome. I'm Dr. Andrea Bonnier, and this is Baggage Check, mental health talk and advice, with new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Baggage Check is not a show about luggage or travel. Incidentally, it is also not a show about proper skee-ball technique. Okay, on to today's show. We are welcoming a listener who is struggling with the level of isolation that they see in their father after the loss of their mother. Thanks so much to the listener who volunteered their voice. As always, we are very appreciative because we are always looking for voices. Most people prefer to email rather than send a voice memo, it seems. Does that have to do with the fact that people tend to fear public speaking more than they fear a gruesome death due to a thousand blood-sucking man-of-wars? Probably. And just like most people prefer to email rather than send a voice memo, I am assuming that most people would rather hear a listener's voice rather than mine reading the letters. So we'll keep chugging along looking for volunteers. For now, let's um, listen to the listener. My mother passed away two years ago of cancer. She and I were very close, and it's a loss that I know I will carry with me for the rest of my life. I have been in therapy, I have a very supportive partner, and I think I'm coming to terms with the loss and doing okay. Who I really worry about is my father. He lives a few states away, so I don't see him often, and we don't really have a phone relationship. He was always the, glad you're doing well, but let me go get your mom on the phone type of person. On the surface... I don't have any signs that he is having a terrible time or anything, but I feel like he is very much lost just in taking care of himself without my mom. She did everything domestic. I mean, absolutely everything related to homemaking and food and cooking and shopping and just the daily ins and outs of life. And he always let her. I tease him sometimes about what he is eating and whether he has learned to boil water yet. But honestly, it's not far from being that dire I think he lives like a 19-year-old frat boy. But that's not even my main concern. My biggest concern is that I think he is very, very isolated. My mother was like a cruise director in terms of their social life. She was great. She was so social and planned everything. And honestly, I don't really know if he had many friends of his own, ever. His friends were mainly the husbands of her friends and some co-workers that he probably hasn't kept up with now that he is retired, which he did when she got cancer. He is only 65 and was sort of a workaholic before retirement. So he never really even developed that many hobbies, except maybe golf that he would do for professional networking. I ask him sometimes how he spends his days, and it sounds like he mainly watches TV. I ask him if he talks to anyone throughout the day, and he occasionally talks to his brother. Though I can only imagine what those conversations are like since my uncle is not that much of a talker either. I think he talks to his neighbor every once in a while. 
but it really makes me sad that his life has gotten so small since the loss of my mom. I don't know how to help him. I'm an only child 400 miles away. I am so sorry. Seriously, my condolences on the loss of your beloved mom to such a monster of a disease. And now my heart hurts for you and your dad and your concern and love and care and worries. They all show through so much in your letter. And it's a different kind of grief, this grief and stress about your father. The grief that comes from the worry that someone you love is shrinking, that their life is starting to diminish, that darkness is settling, and that they aren't able to be living their lives in the ways they used to. My first question would be, how would he assess his situation? Has his isolation just sort of taken hold and it is the way it is and he might not actively acknowledge being in distress about it? Loneliness can be like that. It's like it just settles in. It's not that all of a sudden on a Thursday afternoon while watching a documentary on sharks, you feel empty. Although I guess it could be that too. But often it's that connections decrease and a wall starts to build and you reach out a little less and people reach out to you a little less and you share less of your life. So you don't have that cycle of people following up and being involved in your daily life. And it all just kind of seeps in. So I'd be really curious to hear what he has to say in terms of his isolation. Does he notice it? Does he care about it? Is he in denial about it? Might he have less isolation than you think he does? Like maybe he's actually chatting with people, is keeping up with people. Maybe he's occasionally having guests you don't know about. Other considerations here are, might he view this as a temporary break that he needs during his mourning of your mother? Might he feel it's a bit of taking care of himself to not have social demands? Might he feel that this is how he naturally is, more introverted, and he's returning a bit to that in the absence of your mom? Because that's a crucial question here, whether or not he's in distress about this, whether or not he views it as a problem. And speaking of whether we view things as a problem, it's important to recognize that isolation and loneliness are not always 100% the same thing. There are people who are isolated but are not necessarily lonely. It's not particularly common, but it happens. And then there are people who are lonely, but not isolated. This is actually very, very common. People who seem to have a lot of connections on the surface and definitely don't suffer from lack of friendships, but who feel disconnected with every cell of their being, who feel depressed. In those cases, those folks will feel alone even in a room full of people that they trust. But again, we don't know any of this in terms of your father. We can't make any assumptions because we also don't know how much companionship he really needs. Now, I'm a huge believer in the importance of social support. I teach about it. I give talks on it. I've submerged myself in the research on it, probably to the point of boring those who actually are my social supports. It's a fundamentally important aspect of well-being, both physical well-being and emotional well-being. Good social relationships help your cardiac health. They keep your immune system in good working order. They can lower your blood pressure. And for older folks especially, it's very important for cognitive well-being too. It's often overlooked that isolation increases the risk of dementia. And isolation greatly increases the rate of cognitive decline. And unfortunately, that's a vicious cycle. Because as someone gets older and is starting to experience cognitive deterioration, 
they naturally start to socialize less and get fewer visits from people. So anyone listening who might be thinking, well, it's not such a big deal if this listener's dad doesn't hang out with people. This isn't junior high where he needs buddies in the lunchroom. I would say that that might be true, but then again, it may very well be a huge deal, even just for his physical health. So we need to really look at the overall health risk of not having interactions over the course of the day and what that might be doing to his brain and his body. But how much social interaction does he really need? This varies in people. Maybe he needs a lot less than your mom did. Maybe many people need a lot less than your mom did. She sounded very lovely and very social. But when we talk about all these health risks of loneliness, it's really about feeling satisfied by the amount of social interaction that you have. That's what matters. It's not having a certain number of friends or a certain number of hours spent socializing per week. We're kind of like plants in that sense. Our need for social support is like plants' needs for sun. And virtually all plants need some element of sunlight, but some need a ton of sunlight and some need just a bit. Those are the ones I like, by the way. You can put them in a random corner and not immediately become a plant murderer. The snake plant, very, very forgiving. The ZZ plant, heck yeah. Anyway, people are the same way. Some people need 10 best friends and lots of raucous parties. Some people need one close confidant that they talk on the phone with. The important part is whether his needs are being met. So there's a conversation that has to happen here in order for you to figure that out. And it can be very casual, like, hey, dad, I was thinking about how different your day-to-day life is since the loss of mom. And obviously, there are so many ways it's different. But I do wonder about the level of interaction you have with the world and other people and how that feels to you. Because I know mom used to be responsible for so much of your social life together. Do you miss that part of your life? Do you think about wanting to have more people in your day-to-day routine? Because I want to hear where you are with all of this. I want to listen. We've been through a lot these past couple of years. So then, if you jointly identify a gap in what he's getting versus what he needs, then you can help him brainstorm how to fill it. What's important to him? What are his interests? What are his values? What kind of things would appeal to him? What about some element of volunteer work? Which could be interesting not only as a way to meet new people, but also maybe give him a sense of purpose. I know people tend to get tired of hearing about volunteer work, but we actually see a pretty big mood boost from it in the data out there. How tech savvy is he? Are there message boards or listservs that he could join about golf or some TV show he likes or other aspects of his interests? Is there a neighborhood listserv that actually has meetups? Or what about sites like meetup.com? Now, of course, we don't want the emphasis on technology to backfire. Widows and widowers and older people are just as prone to tech addiction as younger folks once they've dipped their feet into the waters, and I've seen some drawbacks too. So you don't want him getting somehow more isolated by scrolling, 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 and having fewer opportunities to actually interact out there in meaningful ways. But there are still ways that he might be able to connect online that resonate with him and that open up entirely new worlds for him to be exposed to. Is he a curious person? Because we're obviously talking about social connection here, but one thing that becomes important also is mental activity and intellectual engagement. He doesn't have to start quoting Jean-Paul Sartre. 
I always wonder if I say that right. I even narrated an audiobook where that was literally in the first phrase said, and it was my own fault since I wrote that book. This is like exposure therapy for me saying it again. He doesn't have to start quoting Jean-Paul Sartre. Anyway, it's not like he has to suddenly go out and get a PhD, but if there are things that he enjoys learning about or habits like Wordle or Sudoku or ways of getting novelty, trying new foods, new hobbies, fixing stuff around the house, although it sounds like if it's anything like his cooking, maybe that's not necessarily of interest to him, but all that stuff is very important, even if it doesn't directly involve social connection. I'm also wondering, can you talk to some of the old friends that he used to have or some of your mom's old friends? It's not like you're doing an intervention on him behind his back, but if you have a relationship with any of them, maybe you shoot them an email or a little note on social media. Just mention casually that you sometimes worry about the fact that he doesn't get the amount of interaction that he used to. It could be that he gives off such vibes of self-sufficiency that people kind of stay away. And it's true that people do tend to disappear after loss because they're worried about saying the wrong thing, which, you know, disappearing ironically is the wrong thing. So it's often this awful paradox where people screw up because they're worried about screwing up. We'll have to have an episode on that sometime. It's also very common that if your parents hung out with a bunch of other couples, that those couples don't include him anymore because they think it would make him feel worse being the sole widower there. And it could be that your dad indeed would feel awkward in those interactions. Honestly, he might have felt awkward in those interactions even when your mom was alive. Again, we don't really know his baseline level of introversion here. So we don't automatically want to assume that he's supposed to just slip right back into the life that he used to have with your mom in terms of her friends. But on the other hand, if he really enjoyed hanging out with those guys while your mom was alive, and now he misses out on all the husbandy stuff because his wife has passed away, that's an extra layer of tragedy. I'm just going to rapid fire some more ideas at you here. Some things to think through and explore. He's very young in terms of the senior world, but might there be some senior services in his area that he could get connected with that might have various activities that could potentially be of interest to him? Is there a community center or county or city recreation programs that he could get involved with? Maybe some that are particularly geared towards seniors or classes or gym memberships or golfing groups that are geared towards seniors that he might be interested in. And I'm curious how much he talks about this loss, this great loss that the two of you suffered, because might being in a grief group actually be helpful for him? And I know some of you were thinking, let's see if she can get through this episode without mentioning some sort of mental health treatment. Those of you who bet against it, go ahead, collect your cash. I'm not saying he absolutely needs a grief support group, but I am saying that I've seen those groups change lives, even just in terms of the social connection piece alone. It's obviously been a little while that he's been dealing with this loss, so he's not super early in the mourning process. So his needs might not be as acute for the actual emotional support of group therapy. Then again, sometimes year two and year three are even harder for people experiencing loss. But nonetheless, a support group in terms of connecting with other people who've lost partners, that could be really helpful. Even if people are very different from him, there can be a pretty profound connection with others who really get it in terms of loss. And honestly, he might just meet some buddies. I have seen it happen time and again. 
I mean, yeah, it's unlikely that he'll find the perfect grieving golfers group, but I have seen grief groups save lives. In fact, I'd venture to say that group therapy or support groups for grief are some of the most powerful types of treatments that there are. And giving men in particular a forum to express their emotions and be vulnerable with each other can be so important because our society doesn't always allow for that. We had an episode on that recently with Dr. Harold Woody Neighbors talking about older men in particular and masculinity and how it makes it hard for them to get the same cultural acceptance in terms of sharing their emotional distress with each other and how much that needs to change. So back to more questions. Did he ever have a place of worship? Does he have a faith that he might want to explore through attending religious services of some sort and getting to reap the social connection benefits of doing that? No matter how you feel about religion, we do have some data that suggests that things like potlucks are pretty great for us. I guess as long as nobody gets botulism, right? (laughs) Now, the elephant in the room here is dating. If he starts getting reconnected with some of his old friends or some of your mom's old friends, their way of showing care for him might be to try to get him out into the dating field again, whether with someone they know through their garden club or maybe with them themselves. I think it's important that you go into this being honest with yourself about how you'd feel about that and how do you think he would feel about that. There are no right answers here, of course, but the more that you communicate about it, the less weirdness there will be if that starts to happen. And as for the frat boy aspect, beyond just the social isolation, there might be some really actionable, tangible things you can do here too. And to be clear, we mean no disrespect towards any frat boys. Some of them might be keeping their frat houses looking like the cover of House Beautiful, I don't know. But interventions on that front can be something you can make tangible progress on like maybe gifting him an Instant Pot with some super simple recipes. No, I don't get any affiliate sales from them, but things like easy pressure cookers can be a godsend for people who want to be able to start cooking but are intimidated. Or people who, shall we say, want to want to cook, but really don't want to cook. I think it could be really good for you to start planning your next visit whenever that might be with a bit of clarity about some things that you can help get him set up with while you're there. Whether it be supporting him with some technology stuff or visiting a community center with him or stocking his fridge together or showing him how to make a recipe or two. Maybe you could make some joint goals for him that would be motivating, really small, specific goals like finding a place to work out or compiling a list of some potential volunteer opportunities or learning three new dinners to cook. But don't make him feel like he's a project. This should be framed as an opportunity to find some joy for him or adventure or fun rather than the idea that you are fixing him. And you can continue this even while you are long distance. And it has the added bonus of strengthening your relationship by finding something fun for the two of you. Maybe you're not going to have deep heart to hearts over the phone about the state of your feelings, but maybe you can get into a new TV show together or challenge each other at Wordle each morning, or play some other online game together, or try a new hobby together. Something low-key and low-pressure. Something that allows a natural avenue for connection, rather than the stilted phone call. Maybe it will even inspire him to do something similar with his brother. And I know I'm sort of joking here about how he's not going to want to talk about his feelings, But that's another thing. Maybe you can actually normalize talking about feelings and encourage him to open up. 
it sounds like you've done a lot of that in your own grieving process, in therapy and with your partner. Creating a space for feelings by talking about your own feelings and how you may sometimes experience your own grief or when you might feel the most vulnerable about the loss of your mom, that could all be really helpful for him to see. Because I know we're focusing on him, but you're grieving too. And that's something that you sadly have in common and that might actually strengthen your connection over time if you're both willing to be vulnerable. And because almost everyone likes to feel useful and it can help increase our sense of self-efficacy and purpose, think about whether there's something you could use his help with and that you could ask him for help with. He's not going to be the one to talk about interior design with, but he's obviously had a really esteemed professional career. Are there questions that you might have for him about your own career? Are there little things that you might need his advice on and that by asking him, you can make him feel useful and more connected and included with your life? Pets are also a great form of companionship, by the way, and also an interesting way of potentially meeting other people. Dog parks, they are wonderful for human recreation as well as pet recreation. And even if he doesn't meet a new BFF at the dog park, there's really something important about even just those one-off connections. Just people coming together for a moment in time, or you're simply talking about, I don't know, how your dog once eat an entire stick of butter, but it's just a way of being human together and having that brief moment of connectivity. Now, of course, Getting a pet, that should only apply if he actually truly has an interest in a pet in the capacity where he can truly commit to taking care of it in the right ways. Anyway, I feel like this was more of a smorgasbord of ideas than one unified, cohesive piece of advice. But I think that also speaks to the fact that little interventions here can make a big difference and that there's no one size fits all in this situation. Isolation is so common, but can be so devastating. It makes many tough things even worse, like grief, like health challenges, like the logistics of even just caring for a home. But you are definitely not alone in this. And of course, the whole point of this is for him to know that he's not either. So good luck trying some of these things. And please feel free to let us know how things turn out. And if any listeners out there have been through this, please reach out to us on our Instagram page or shoot us an email. You can find that link at baggagecheckpodcast.com. Thank you for joining me today. Once again, I'm Dr. Andrea Bonnier, and this has been Baggage Check, with new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Join us on Instagram at baggagecheckpodcast to give your take on upcoming topics and guests. And why not tell your chatty coworker where to find us? Our original music is by Jordan Cooper, cover art by Danielle Merity, and my studio security is provided by Buster the Dog. Until next time, take good care.